This is Agents Influence Podcast. And so you have to ask yourself, how can I go 10x? How can I go bigger? And what's interesting is all of a sudden you start attracting people like the VCs. If you straight say, okay, I'm going to take my agency from this level to 2 million or whatever, the million dollar in rev, I want to push it to 20 or 50 million. All of a sudden, I'm interested in, in giving you money. I want to figure out who's on your team. I want to figure out what your vision is, how you're going to invent some technology or find people that can help you co-create it. So you've got to be thinking bigger. And if you're not, it's inevitable that you're going to get run over. And I don't think a lot of people want to acknowledge that, but that's what's happening. If you don't think big, you're dead. I'm Jason Cass, and we're going to help you think differently, change your agency, change your finances, change your family, and in the end, we're going to change an industry. Let's go. Hey, this is Jason Cass with Agents Influence Podcast, here back with you once again to deliver you some stuff that hopefully changes your agency, makes your family better, and at the end of the day, I just hope you like you can lessen some of your mental stress, because what you do is important, the world can't go on without you, you're an insurance agent, and that's the truth. People have no idea that without insurance, like the world stops, and I think that's huge. Um, today we're going to have on, um, we got a guest, this is somebody who's you're not probably used to, this is someone outside our space, but then in a way kind of in our space and his past and the people that he's working with now. I'm going to introduce him just here in a second, but I do want to thank you for being a loyal listener of the Insurance Alliance, or the, excuse me, not the Insurance Alliance, that's the name of my agency, come on Jason, uh, Agents Influence, uh, really do appreciate you. If you're listening on the computer, you can find us on iTunes, on Stitcher, and you can also find us on Google Play. Um, you are appreciated. I want you to know that. Please feel free to leave any uh, reviews out there. That really, really helps us. If you want to find out more about my book, go to insuranceforplay.com. That's insuranceforplay.com. That's an Amazon bestseller that I wrote out there about the customer experience. We're hearing a lot of talk about that. I wrote that book back in 2014, delivered it in 2015. Way ahead of the curve. I need to do an addition to it, but some of you are just now understanding what the customer experience is. Go back and read that book. There's a ton of reviews on there. You'll see why it was the Amazon uh, bestseller. Uh, Insuranceforplay.com. If you want to get hooked up with the mastermind, go to growprogram.com. That's where you can find our mastermind. That's all we do. We just have a $99 mastermind. You get huge discounts. If you want to get with Marblebox, if you're with Marblebox now, I guarantee you, you'd be paying about 40% less if you were with us for that. We have all different types of things. I'm not going to go on because we've got Damien's time that I want to roll into. But also, last but not least, don't forget, October 24th and 25th, you're thinking about it. You hear it all the time and you're thinking, man, I've got that on my calendar. I got to pull the trigger. I'm telling you, you have to pull the trigger. Go to growlab2017.com and get signed up. I'm telling you, it's filling up. In the meantime, let's do what we normally do. If you would, Joey, kick kick the drum roll, kick the beat. Come on, Joey, kick it. There we go. All right. Now, I want to introduce to you um, from the information that I have, I want to I throw a little disclaimer here. I don't know Damien, 
and Damien does not know me. We do not know each other. Um, we were connected through, I guess, a connection somehow. I get a lot of requests. I looked at his overview um, that he sent of what he, what his specialty is, who he is, how he provides value to people. And of a lot of them that I say no to, this one I said yes. And you're going to realize because Damien uh, Lupo, welcome to Agents Influence Podcast. How are you doing, my friend? I'm awesome, Jason. Thanks for having me. This is going to be fun, man. It it really is. So, uh, Damien, real quick, are you an iPhone or are you a Droid user? I'm an iPhone guy. Okay. We won't hold that against you, I promise. And going forward, uh, what is the uh, last app that you downloaded? The last app that I downloaded? I know I deleted a bunch because they were overwhelming my phone. Amen to that. Uh, (laughs) What's the one last one you downloaded that you thought was cool or personal use, business use, whatever? Golly. What, what do I even use? I use I, I mean, I use my calendar. I hardly use anything anymore on this thing. Probably Thumbtack is the one that I've, I've been using What's quite that? a bit. What's that? It's it's a way to leverage people, the freelancer economy. And so you can basically say, I need this thing done. And all these people come to you and say, I can clean your house or run these errands or do things for you and help you out. Damien, I could go off and you loyal listeners, you need to know that I'm doing a podcast that I'm building right now for what Damien just said. Damien, I don't want to go in a different direction. But that type of service, what'd you call it? Thumbtack? Was that it? Yeah, Thumbtack. Uh, there's another service out there called, uh, oh my gosh, this isn't it, but it's like Jackrabbits or something like that. TaskRabbit, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there it is. There it is. Now, you know what's amazing? Damien, I can't go on about this, but this could be exciting. Um, I got this from a TED Talk a couple years ago. But by those types of services and the way that you're finding who's best for to you to do your laundry or to walk your dog or whatever that task could be, come in and, and build a table, set up a table you bought at Home Depot, whatever. By those reviews that are going on, by the reviews that are being collected in Facebook, LinkedIn, and uh, net promoter scores, and the way that whenever you travel, whenever you go on Uber right now, you're actually being graded rather than you just grading them. All these different things, I think, are going to come together in what we call a reputation score that eventually, 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now, will actually be stronger and be used more widely than your credit score to determine truly who you are. I really, really believe that, and I, I, I'm, I'm building that podcast right now. Does that, does that make sense, Damien? What are your small thoughts on that? No, I, I think that that's exactly the direction we're going. I don't think credit score really tells anything about somebody, and that's why it's so important to, for us to really think about what we're doing and how we're showing up. You can't just do something in one city and move to another city anymore. Your reputation, your history follows you Ooh. everywhere. I mean, big time. I'd never thought of that, moving from one city to the other. Yeah, you can escape a lot, but not anymore. Good call. Good call, good call, good call. You know, I was um, I was watching the news, Damien. I keep getting off. I apologize. But I was watching the news, and this guy, uh, uh, I guess he had had like three wives across America, you know. And I guess he had been doing this for like 20, 25 years. But he got this got blown out of uh, blown up like in twenty eleven or twenty twelve, and he got busted because of social media and the way that things were being shared. I mean, it didn't take very long. And I, and I was sitting there thinking to myself on the couch, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I guess this is something that people do and they've done it and always been able to get away with it. But social media doesn't allow that today. You know what I mean? Well, the problem is all your wives and all your girlfriends end up becoming friends on Facebook and then they start talking about <laughs> their weekends. Right. And like, wait a second, you were with who? You're toast. You can't do like, it. I'm telling you what, Facebook killed the pimp. You know what I mean? Anyways, I'm joking. Loyal listeners, you know I'm joking. Damon, let's get on with you, man. Tell us a little bit about you. Take us back as far as you want. Bring us forward so we can connect and get to know what you do and the value you provide people. 
Well, I, when I think back, I mean, the, really the, the very beginning of my roots when I when I left Alaska where I grew up, I, I got out into the real world after I left college. And really, I left college because I was kind of thrown out of college. I really wasn't the normal going down the normal path. And and when I did, it was really, really there's a lot of tension, a lot of frustration. So I eventually got off that path, left school and and I went and I, I got an offer to to start selling some insurance, which I think a lot of folks can relate to there in that in that world. And and I did that for a couple of years and then I disrupted myself. And I think that that's a big theme for my life where I'm always asking the question, how do I disrupt myself? And, and asking other people, how do you disrupt you and change you and look ahead into the future before something else does it to you? Because everything is changing so fast. I mean, like in the insurance world, everything is changing so fast. And, and these, this artificial intelligence that's out there and and everything that is becoming automated is really changing the model that a lot of people have built their lives around. And if we don't disrupt ourselves before somebody else does, we're just going to be chasing things. And so I, my, my work is, is really focused on getting people in control of their lives, specifically in finance, but really asking better questions and framing the future around 10x thinking versus this, this smaller 10% type of thinking, which I think is really relevant for, for the past, but not so much anymore. I agree. I agree. Your automation is huge. I've been talking about that a lot over the last couple podcasts. The loyal listeners know that. What I, as I think about this more and more, I get really deep into this stuff, Damien. Lots of wine, lots of wine. And whenever I get really deep into this stuff, I start to think about when, I mean, I think they're, we ask questions because it gives us a profile and more exact definition of the person we're trying to go after or if the person we have them, who they are, or the after they've done business with us, what they expect. How long does it take before that the information is so widely available and the touch points of four, five, six, ten million data data points allow us not to ask those questions, which provides us a greater experience. But if you really think about it, if you take it on hyper mode, maybe huge corporation mode, I can see them refining that data to know when that buying window is to where, yes, it's important to ask the questions to define them. But if the computer already knows that and is able to say this person is in this buying window right now and they fit our characteristics, they say that they think that they can be able, talking to some people at InsureTech, they believe that they can just simply be able to hit people at the right time, at the right buying time, that's going to override the value of them necessarily know so much about them. For instance, I forget that my client has a birthday, but yet the computer remembers. It starts making the computer relevant to them as well. Does that, does that make any sense to you, Damien? I, I kind of went off there. Yeah, I, I think that that's uh, what you're hitting on. I think is probably going to scare the crap out of a lot of people, and the, and yep. it should because yep. if if we if we're focusing on the transactions and trying to do things in a manual way, we're absolutely going to be crushed by the computers, the automated systems, the infusion softs, which I use. I think a lot of folks use these different CRMs, these uh, management systems to keep track of all the data. The truth is, people don't necessarily care as much about a computer reaching out to them on their birthday if they know that you really care about them as their agent or as somebody that's kind of nurturing them it's it's not even it's not a price competition or anything and this is for all business it's not just insurance and that's where people have to really get away from this selling a commodity they really have to figure out the relationship and figure out how to be a change agent not an insurance agent they have to figure out how to help transform somebody not just sell them something and and that's that's what people are desperately pleading for they're looking for the transformations and you have to figure that one out because the computers are going to crush you on all the other stuff 
Now I take it and I say a step further and where I, you are right, people are freaking out. Where people need to stop freaking out is remember what Dan Burris said. Dan Burris said that relationships are the future and instead of you having 10 people in your room, for instance, he said that being using artificial intelligence is going to allow a lawyer to still be around. The lawyer is still going to be needed, but the information that he is gathering off all, you know, uh, trial uh, law that may have happened surrounding that certain case he's dealing with is going to allow him him. So I say, if the computers can know when's the right buying time, I still think that the closing ratio will be there for the agent who says, yes, we know the correct buying time, but yeah, you're not dealing with the computer. You're still getting a personal person. So I I want the agents to know, but here's the deal. Are you going to adapt to the technology and to the systems and to the processes that's going to be needed to allow that information to be fed to you? I think that's where the separator comes, Damien. Yeah, I, I agree, and, and and you have to start thinking about these companies that are are taking over industries. Think when you think about Amazon, what could Amazon do for this industry that could absolutely disrupt it? I mean, there's other companies like Lemonade and things that are doing things in the in the insurance world. But if you if if all of a sudden Jeff Bezos says I want to take on the PNC world of insurance, what could that look like? I mean, he just he's taking on the grocery world. I mean, yeah. they bought they bought Whole Foods, so it's not. It's not crazy to think that he could say, I want to take on the insurance industry. There's so much fat in that industry. There's so much money to be made by somebody that goes in there and uses technology and and mass and scale. And they could do that. So what does that mean for you? How are you gonna how are you gonna keep going after Amazon becomes the biggest insurance player in the world and overtakes Warren Buffett and, and some of these, you know, the general Rees of the world? What what are you gonna do next? I think we have to think into the future and get prepped. And that way it's not so it's not so terrifying about the unknown because we're already ready for it. So so let me so, so it is right. Um, and, and I want to ask you, so what are maybe some of those things in your head that we should just look at maybe from a high level, maybe a low practical level as the future and how we could prevent or maybe some of those things. I've got some other questions because Damien knows and, and you listeners, I really wasn't going this direction, but this is the way I think this is we're feeding well and we're going to steer back. I, I wanted Damien to come on to be more of something that we normally don't. We don't we don't get technology. We are we get a lot of technology, sales, marketing, whatever. I wanted him to be able to come on to also provide more of a financial, more of a sound advice, um, uh, just some more of the financial aspect of things we need to think about so that we can work on our business or work on our retirement or work on the things that we're doing. I, I think that, that's, that, that that is key. Now, if, if we've got to do those things and we're looking at those, we hear this a lot, like you have to do this, you have to do that. What are some of your opinions of the things that I need to do in my agency to make sure that I'm relevant or able to match that automation we've been discussing? Well, I, this, this kind of thing makes me think back uh, about six, seven years ago when I was trying to figure out what I was going to do after the real estate market melted down and I was heavy into it and I lost a $20 million portfolio and I said, okay, I got to reinvent myself. Wow. And I spent, yeah, it was... I mean, let that sink in for a second because it's a pretty intense experience when you really are forced to rethink who am I, what am I going to do? Like if you all of a sudden your insurance agency went away, you know, what, do you, what what's your next thing if you've been doing it for 25 years? So in my world, I had to rethink my my life. And the biggest thing that I shifted into was focusing on building trusted relationships. And where that led was a year ago when I when I started up the company that I'm that I'm building, I went out and decided I was going to do a, a raise. I was going to raise some money for it. And it took me 87 days to raise a million dollars. And that was because people trusted me. It wasn't because I had the best pitch in the world. It wasn't because I knew how to close things because I had done a bunch of Brian Tracy training. It was because when I called them, I said, I've got something I'm doing. And they said, great, you know what? I want to invest with you. 
and what they, what's interesting is I did a lot of investing in, in real estate 15 years ago where people were investing more in the deals. And here they, they were looking at me and saying, I want to be in this thing with you and whether or not this works. And we, we we're hopeful it will. I want to be in this thing with you. And even if it doesn't, we'll go to the next thing and be in that with you. And that was based on the trust. It was based on those relationships and it was based on a different version of me. It wasn't focused on money. It was focused on the impact I was going to have. And people wanted to be on that train with me on the impact train. And it was all about the trust. So that's the shift that we have to think about our Rolodex of trust. And how big is that in your life? Right. And I guess the more things that you know about me or let me know that you know about me shows that you probably care, which means I want to know more what you know. So it's that it's that. So you are um, literally for a quarter century. I mean, you've owned over like 30 different companies, including an insurance agency, like a, a precious metals firm. You're also a venture. You had a venture capitalist company. Maybe you sure do uh, still do financial company. You even have your own martial arts uh, founder of Yokido, is that right? And you yeah. hold three black belts. Yeah, I've I've actually got four. Uh, so they're they're the one that's sort of the own my own creation with Yokido is is probably the most significant one because when you create anything, whether it's your own version of music or martial art or you know a financial instrument, it becomes in essence you. So Yokido is me, and and so that's that's kind of my gift to the world. And it's funny because when you create something, it sort of spills into everything else. Like this conversation, there's a lot of of martial art influence. There's a lot of focus on. Um, on the teachings of being present because you can imagine if you're if you're training in martial arts if you're not present you end up on the floor or you end up with a fist in the face so it's it's a lot about presence really fast <laughs> that's a good point <laughs> this is a darn good, good good comparison now this is the thing here when i really like is i mean you're a five-time author and i mean you've i mean some of the big dogs who are saying how do we invest or how do we buy and stuff like that i know they reach out to you but jumping down to something that i noted here was your big vision and and kind of your your ideas is that uh you've created i think total control financial i have I haven't even looked into this. I don't even know what it is. Um, but what I thought was cool, and this was what I liked about it, was design everything around 10 times growth and 10 times impact for the client, the team, and its shareholders. That was the thing right there that made me think like, well, what's that mean? What's 10 times growth? What's 10 times impact? What, what's that mean, Damien? It, it means that when we think about anything, we start off with with our, our goals and, and what we're thinking about for the future because we're not going to live in the past. I mean, I think a lot of people do, but as an organization and as, as, as a community, we're thinking about the future and how we're creating the future. And so we always ask the question, what would it look like for us to be 10 times bigger or more, have more impact in the next year? And it forces us to really justify anything we've had in the past, any of, of the relationships in the past. It forces us to say, did, are any of the things that we've done in the last 12 months relevant for the next 12 months? And usually we have to disrupt ourselves on a regular basis. And so there's this constant growth mentality. There's this, this excitement in, in the organization and with customers because we're not sitting there giving them the same line that they have had for the last 50 years that you should just go take your money, invest in the mutual funds or do the same thing that your your grandparents did. We're really thinking about the future because it's so different than the past. Even today, 10 years from now will be massively different. And so we're always asking that question. And there's a it's, it's a different feeling inside of the uh, of the company with everybody. It 
it's not static. And I, this is, this kind of goes to a bigger philosophy around the universe. You cannot be static. You can't say, I'm just going to, I'm going to get to a certain place where I'm going to have a book of business. That's this, or I'm going to have 2 million or 10 million in the bank and I'm good. You do that and you're on your way down. You're going to start dying. You cannot stay static. There is no static in the universe. So it's growing or dying and 10 X thinking keeps you in that growth space so that you're not on a, you're not tiptoeing safely to death's door. You're really always expanding. Yeah. If nothing in the world is static, why do you think you can be? You know what I mean? It's almost like it's a universal law almost. I mean, what? It it is. No, it is. Yeah. It it absolutely. There's, there's no doubt. You cannot fight that. If you fight that, you're going to lose. Yeah. I mean, you can talk about that with your marriage. You can talk about that Mm -hmm. with being a baseball player or a parent or, you know, uh, your tires on your car. You know what I mean? Everything changes. So that's good. I like that. I like that. I like that. Uh, and I like that philosophy. What is this thing you're talking about, green and red arrows of wealth and poverty? Well, th- this actually came up a couple years ago. I was working with a client and occasionally I, I work one-on-one with people and I, I was introduced. These people came over and they said, hey, we want to talk to you about money. And and I said, great. What do you want to talk about? And they said, well, we're, we have this situation. We just sold a house and we've got about a million and a half bucks in the bank or it's actually in a lot of it's in mutual funds. And I said, okay. And they said, but the problem is every time we, we watch the news at the end of the day, we see the market report and we see these green arrows or red arrows. And every day we see a green arrow that's going up, we feel wealthier and we're happy but then we're afraid that tomorrow we're going to see the red arrow and it's the market's going to go down and we're going to have less money. And we are on this roller coaster. It's like what's happening or what's going to happen. And we don't have any control and it sucks. And I said, what do you want to do? And they said, we want to get off the roller coaster. And I said, okay. So we started working on, on different thinking around their money. And instead of abdicating responsibility and just handing it to somebody or the mutual funds or whatever, we started thinking about what they could do to invest and own it. And it really had less to do with what they were investing in and more to do with their confidence and their ability to design and then execute their plan. And six months later, we were um, on a trip and we're, we're, we're talking about the markets because they had just, they, they just tanked like four or 500 points. And, and I said, so did you see what happened? And they said, in what? And I said, the, the, the Dow, you know, hit, it got hammered. And they said, we, we didn't notice. We don't, we don't really care because we don't have any money there anymore. And I said, so the, the arrows don't, they don't impact you. They're like, yeah, we don't give a crap. And I just, I smiled. And I thought you totally hit it out of the park. You did what you wanted to do. So that's what the arrows are all about. Wow. Interesting. I'm I'm thinking of my own uh, self when I when I think about that. You're an agent. You're an agency owner, and you're thinking about getting out of the business in five, ten years. You're 55, 60, 65. I know age can make a huge difference, but I mean, what's something? Some what's some piece of advice that you're telling that person? I mean, I imagine, and Damien, it's pretty much the same for any business. It just gets a little more specific with the industry. Am I wrong? Right. Yeah, well, if if I'm you think you're talking about somebody that's going to be getting out of the business or getting yeah, into they're the going to sell. Excuse me, they're going okay. to sell their agency and they're going to that's because right now you know that's their nest egg. That's what they've considered mm-hmm. their IRA. They're sitting on like you know seven hundred thousand in, in revenue and they're going to sell it for two times as their estimation at one point four mil and yeah yeah yeah. I mean, what's some stuff that they should be thinking about without getting in the weeds and confusing everybody? Well, the, the one thing that, that I can guarantee you is that if you end up with a big pile of cash, which which most most agents do, I didn't have a big pile, but I had a little bit of cash when I sold my, my book. When, when that happens, if you don't have the confidence muscle built up around doing something with that money, you're going to either one, be scared to death, or you're going to make a really bad decision handing money to somebody that's a really good salesperson and pitches you something really solid. And it's probably going to be some goofy, you're going to get two or 3% and, and it's fixed, or it's going to be really speculative. 
there's a difference between business skills and investing skills. And most people, most business owners really don't spend the time learning the investing skills. They just spend time around business owners. And it's it's really very different. You wow. have to do both. It's, it's, it's like Robert Kiyosaki's book, The Cashflow Quadrant that we stay in this one quadrant, usually it's a like the S, the, the self-employed or small business owner as an agent, and then we all of a sudden have this cash and we wanna move into the I section as an investor, and we have no idea what we're doing. It's like a different language, it's a different world, and it will terrify you. So the best thing to do is start developing those skills, figure out, okay, what is my plan? Am I going to be a real estate investor? Am I gonna have property? What I don't know what it is, but something that's creating that residual that is not just your default. I think a lot of agents, probably the default is maybe an annuity or something. And you've, you've gotta get smarter than just buying another financial product. You've gotta really be thinking about how do I control something and have the ability to influence it? And that starts way before you sell your book. So uh, I'm the uh, I'm uh, it's me. I've been in the business 17 years. I, I really have, and I own my agency. I want to grow agencies. I, my goal is I'd like to get to about five, ten agencies, turn around and sell them when I'm 50, 55, and uh, still do something else in the insurance industry because I'm a geek like that. Uh, what should I be thinking about? I mean, what's what's one what's one of my most important things that I should really be thinking about? One word: cash flow. What, what's going to create cash flow? I don't care how much money you sell your, your book for 10 million bucks, I and mean, you're still gonna be scared that you're gonna run out of money before you run out of life. I mean, that's really the normal thing that happens. So it, you don't care if you've got your 20, 30, 40, 50,000 bucks coming in a month from things that you've bought, and maybe that's an apartment building, who knows what it is. But if it's something that's consistent, then then you're not concerned about the dumb mistake you made last month when you decided to buy a Lamborghini that you passed by. You don't care because you're gonna have another $100,000 check coming in this month because of some asset that's paying you. And that's the, the big shift. You have to be thinking about how are you gonna create that monthly residual that's not your business, but it's something else after you sell those businesses. You think that it's? Uh, do you think it's wise for business owners to have two or three different businesses? I don't know. I'm just asking this question. In the in the consulting you do out there, do you notice that maybe one person who has one or two things that they do every day is more successful than somebody? Because you're talking about creating cash flow and creating different tributaries, let's say, to fill up the pond. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your thoughts there? Is there any one way, right or wrong? I think the wrong way is to set up simultaneous systems of cash flow from different businesses without really nailing one of them. So if you're building up your book and you've got a business that can run and you can be gone for a month and it's still humming along and even growing, you've at that point you really have a chance to go do something else and add another another stream of of this of income. What I see most people doing, and you kind of have to tell people to stop. It's like your question about the apps. What new app? Well, typically I'm finding ways to get rid of stuff in my life. And what I'll tell people right up front is you've got five different businesses and you suck at all of them. None of them are doing anything good for you except draining your time and energy. So let's focus on the one, make it a powerhouse and then add something else. Nobody, whether it's Warren Buffett or Richard Branson or whoever, they don't go start 20 businesses at once. They do one and they build it. And, th- and that's the thing that gets people, we're, we're a bunch of squirrel brains. We're all over the place. We see something, it looks fun, it looks interesting, it looks like we're gonna make a bunch of money, we chase it and we keep chasing other things at the same time. Well, there's only so much time we have and I think we have to narrow our focus down and build something that actually can be sustainable before we go to the next. It's a huge mistake almost everybody makes. Venture capital. We're seeing this in the um, in the insurance industry, huge. And you and I talked a little bit about this. And I want to get your thoughts. And you're out there. I mean, us agents are inside our agencies down on Main Street, you know, rubber sole shoes on the, on the concrete, beating it out. There's people like yourself that are 
you're kind of speaking at a more of a higher level with higher type people and I'm and I'm interested your thoughts as I mean like you said not the technology and AI that we were talking about earlier but how long do we keep seeing this this VC money getting funded in because maybe I'm wrong but some of the big VCs like an Insurion and I don't know if you know about them or not from they're doing unbelievable things but they're yet to actually be making money and so we're hearing about all these big time disruptors that are coming through and man, they're doing this and that, even Lemonade. I don't even think they're making money yet. How long does this keep up in your opinion? The, our system is based on money being printed out of thin air and there is so much of it that there is really no end in sight to all this money looking for a home. It's because it's being made up out of thin air. There's there's hardly any co- consequence to a bank or a VC or private equity taking money and going and putting it somewhere because they're going to have the ability to get more of it even if their thing doesn't work. They're looking for the one in 20 or the one in 50 that that pops. That's a uh, they, that's a unicorn, a billion dollar thing or, or a hundred million dollar thing. That's what they're looking for. So every time they spend or they throw a million or two million or five million at something, whether it works or not is not really relevant. They have to be in the game, and there's so much money looking for a home. Because you think about what's ha- what what our options are now for money. Nothing. I mean, you, you put it somewhere, and you're getting zero or one percent. So, the, all this money is looking for something that it can do. And I don't see any real end in sight with the money because it's not going to just stop being thrown out there. People are still looking for the exponential change agents and those those organizations like the Facebooks and the Snaps and and the Lemonades, things that are going to scale because we've got 3 billion more people coming into this whole network, the internet, the world of connection. And every VC is trying to figure out which things are gonna be tapping into all those new eyeballs. And and it's there's just, there's so much money. So you're fighting against that. Whatever you're doing, just remember, you're fighting against trillions of dollars looking to disrupt you. Well, okay, and let me, okay, so this is crazy. So we obviously have no chance, not only because it's billions and trillions of dollars, but you're saying literally money is being created like out of thin air. I mean, how, how, how do I compete with that when I actually need money to actually come into my bank account? You know what I mean? Yeah, well, and that, that's one of the reasons that I, I, I don't advocate people saving money. Saving money, you can't save money as fast as the money's being printed. And, and I mean, that, that doesn't make any sense. You've got to be smarter with your money. You've got to figure out how am I going to scale up? You have to scale up because if you stay small, you're going to get killed. And I mean, really, it's funny. You can't do what we used to be able to do in insurance 20, 30 years ago where you can have an agency and, and everything's going to kind of hum along and you're going to have renewals. It doesn't work like that anymore. It won't in the future. And so you have to ask yourself, how can I go 10x? How can I go bigger? And what's interesting is all of a sudden you start attracting people like the VCs, like if you stay, say, okay, I'm going to take my agency from this level, the two million or whatever, the million dollar in rev, and I'm going to, I want to push it to twenty or fifty million. All of a sudden, I'm interested in, in giving you money. I want to figure out who's on your team. I want to figure out what your vision is, how you're going to invent some technology, or find people that can help you co-create it. So you've got to be thinking bigger. And if you're not, it's inevitable that you're going to get run over. And I don't think a lot of people want to acknowledge that, but that's what's happening. If you don't think big, you're dead. Let's continue on. And yes, you're, you're scaring. You're not scaring me. I, I think about this stuff all the time and, and my partner and I are transforming. One of the things that does scare me is there you say we got to get big and, and that's something we do. And I think that we have the power, the insight and the drive to do it. But it's still about doing it and knowing that we have to do it or we're going to be in trouble. Let me let's 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 fade off into the sunset and moonlight this baby with this then. If the money's coming out of thin air, how do you guarantee the upcoming Wall Street crash? 
the crash is based on all this uh, all this speculation. So there's going to be a cycle. So things move in and out of different asset classes. So there, the markets are really excited right now. What's going to happen is you're going to have money that's going to continue to be put in some place. It's going to go into the stock markets. It's going in there now. It's going to eventually not go there. Basically, there's a lot of money that's churning into a corporate buybacks that's pumping the markets up. It's making the CEOs, it's making the, the C-suite really, really wealthy, making private equity wealthy. But eventually, you've got to actually have revenue based on real income. So you mentioned these companies that aren't making any money. Well, eventually, it's like the emperor. There is no, There are no clothes in a lot of these companies. And when you stop doing these corporate buybacks from all this cheap money, eventually, those companies look real, like they look really bad. And, and people say, we're not going to continue to throw money into this, and they stop. And then there's the, we're not even talking about the baby boomers, the, all that money that they're pulling out of the markets that they're forced to because of the ERISA laws. And that just means that 401ks require you to pull money out at age 70, and we've got 10,000 baby boomers hitting that age every day right now. It forces a lot of money, we're talking billions and billions, to be pulled out of the market. That's a, it's a mathematical equation that the markets have to correct because of that much uh, demand being withdrawn. So it's, you, you can't, it's like saying I'm going to ignore gravity. It doesn't work. It's going to eventually correct. And so you just don't want to be in the middle of that thing when it falls on top of your head. Any prediction? When do you think how long that might be? L- next 24 months for sure. There's no doubt in my mind. It's, it's, I mean, it really is math. And so if you don't have a plan for the next 24 months, you're going to be maybe writing something for quite a few years where you're just kind of sitting there hoping it comes back. So I would be hedging and being really thoughtful about making sure that you're not going to go down with that thing when it crashes. It could easily drop 50-60% just like it did in 2008. Oh, that was my next question is it would be comparable to 2008. I think it's possible it could be worse. I think that that this correction could actually be and it, it's really hard to understand what's going to happen because we didn't we things happen these black swan events like nobody was predicting 9/11. Um, people, these things happen. It could be any one of a hundred different triggers. So it doesn't really matter what triggers it or exactly when it happens. Just understand that these things cycle. We've been in a bull for a long time and the bull is tired and it's a lot of artificialness. So just be ready for it. And if you're ready for it, then it's not actually a bad thing. You just go, cool, I'm going to make a whole bunch of money in this space. Like a lot of people did instead of being one of the one, one of the casualties. Love it, man. Nothing static. Everything's either dynamic and you're sitting there saying, you know, I'm not going to sit there and be one of the casualties. You're going to be one of the other. You're going to be one of the survivors of the casualties. I think that's how uh, life is as a whole. And that's, uh, Damien, that's that's very interesting stuff. And for you to say 24 months, I mean, and once again, Damien, we could go 36 or 5. You're just, you're looking at the markets with your expertise and your skill and your background and saying, that's what you think. And I agree because, you know, we had the mortgage crisis and all that stuff, which to be honest with you, um, what's amazing is, is right before we went into 2006, 2007 uh, downfall, it was funny how like you could get a car with like no money down and all of a sudden you could get 105% financing on homes. And over the last year, I've started to see that again, like little signs in people's yards. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's the stuff that got us in trouble, you know? And then, like you said, there wasn't all the VC capital 10 years ago, like there is now as you said it's artificial coming out of thin air money um yeah i i do agree and i've thought about that and it just i talked to my advisor now you know he's my advisor now th- th- this is this is not fair because actually travis in my office is my true advisor but the guy who used to be my advisor before we got into investments and moved to here and he said that he thought that there was still about 10 5 to 10 percent room in the market he told me that about a month ago 
and and that's pretty that's not that's now he's he works for edward jones okay so that's probably what they're telling him to say but you you would disagree with that well i I think it's entirely possible i also am really really careful about when i listen to somebody they may be smart they may have good intentions and i want to understand their their lens the lens of somebody that works as a financial advisor or realtors are the best because there's no realtor that's going to say don't buy a house the markets are going to collapse they'd be out of business and starve to death they're always going to think that the markets are going to be fine it's always a good investment to buy a house and so you really just thinking about who's giving me the advice what are they selling are they selling me something or is this somebody that is literally giving me the candid uh, advice if i thought gold was going to cr- crash and i and i sell gold it's one of my businesses if i said hey gold is going to crash why would anybody ever buy any gold from me i mean i you know i have to be right. really smart about that and just think about the messaging what what's the motivation behind the message message Damien, I appreciate your time. I really do. We're going to close with leaders or readers and readers or leaders like we always do. And we do know that you're a leader. What do you read? Uh, What are you reading right now? Or maybe a book that you've read recently that you think the loyal listeners would love? Uh, You know, I... I've read, there's a couple of books that I've read repeatedly. Um, one of them was the one that I read on my own life because I don't want to repeat the same stupid mistakes I made and that was Reinvented Life. So I read that over and over to make sure that I remind myself of, of the dumbness and lesson learned from those lessons. And this, the other one, the outside of my stuff that I, I read all the time, I read Grant's books, Grant Cardone's books, The 10X Rule and Be Obsessed or Be Average repeatedly because it keeps me in that hustle mind space. It keeps me in that mind space where I'm gonna disrupt me before somebody else does. And I think that that's incredibly relevant, especially in this industry or anybody that's alive today. We've got to be disrupting ourselves and hustling all the time. Damien, you've wrote five books and I'm out there, I'm looking and I'm one of those uh, professionals, loyal listeners listening. Which one should I start with? Reinvented Life, without a doubt. Read that one right now. That's your book? That's my book. Oh, I did. Oh, I'm sorry about that. I did not realize that you said that that was your book. My fault. My fault. My fault. Um, Okay. All right. I like that. Um, You have been fantastic. I really do. I know that I'm actually a little bit over the allotted time that I told you that we'd take. Um, I think this was really, really good stuff. I really appreciate you taking your time. Where can people find out about you or find out more about what you do or if they want to reach out and get with you? Where can they find out that stuff? Best gateway to me is, is DamianLupo.com. You can you can find everything that I'm involved with and and really connect with me in any way that makes sense for you. So just go look me up, DamianLupo.com, and you'll find all the links and, and everywhere uh, that you can reach out to me. Fantastic. For all you CEOs, all you big time agencies, I guess little time, little agencies as well. I mean, I, I would take this guy up on, uh, on uh, helping me with my business. And Damien, I greatly appreciate your time. Thank you, Jason. It's been a pleasure, man. Hey, everybody. I'm uh, really glad that you took your time. I think you're going to like that. I definitely wanted to end with that the guarantee upcoming Wall Street crash. That's something that I had seen on the piece that he had sent over to me. And uh, I think that's definitely something you're going to talk about tonight at the dinner table or this afternoon at the lunch table, depending on uh, what time of the day you're listening to this. Really want to appreciate his time. Be sure to get out there and check out the stuff that he's on. In the meantime, tell me your thoughts. Tell me your ideas. And I'm going to tell the world what you have to say. This is Cass, and I'm out. Rocket referrals, it's so easy to use, guys. I'm telling you, I know you're a loyal listener and you like simplicity. Rocket referrals is day one. You plug it up, you sync it with your management system, and if it doesn't integrate, it does when you think it doesn't. 
and it just works and you start getting testimonials and you start getting automated emails and welcome cards it's it's really i'm serious a flip of the switch you've heard it before but it really is check it out rocket referrals that's plural.com